So once again, welcome to the University Parish of Christ, Son of Justice. For those of you who are new to our campus, we're glad that you found your way to us. And we hope that you'll make this your second home while you're here at RPI. Um, I want to introduce you to the secret signal we have here at the parish. And the secret signal is this. If like before mass or after mass as we're having a conversation, if I smile and bobblehead like this, that means I don't remember your name. <laughs> and you, you should work it into the conversation for me. That's what that means. I am trying to extend this secret signal to all of the world, but so far it's just a local thing that I do. So if you see this, that means I, I don't remember your name. There's too many of you and I am too old. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I want to encourage you to uh, take some time to look around the building here. We've got some really nice meeting space. There's a nice lounge at the back of the building. We have uh, an amazing art collection. And uh, right next door, there's a big white house that we call the hospitality house that we also use for meetings and meals and things like that. But in addition to our really wonderful facilities, you will find some pretty amazing people at the Chapel and Cultural Center. We have a Knights of Columbus Council, a college council. There is the Newman Catholic Fellowship, which is our official Catholic student group at RPI. We have a really terrific music ministry. We have opportunities for liturgical ministries and the kind of support that you need and that you expect from a parish. But you will also notice, if you take a casual look around you, that there are occasionally people here who are evidently not university students. <laughs> and these are the people that kind of make up the backbone of the parish. And they are the ones that provide a lot of our support. And they are here, not because anybody told them they had to be here, but they're here because they love being with college students. And they understand that they're here because part of their personal mission, part of their discipleship, is supporting all of you who are part of the RPI community here. So on behalf of all of them, if I can speak for everybody else in the world, we are delighted that you are here and that you have found your way to the parish here. Uh, but importantly, I also want to point out that this is not your parents' parish. This is your parish. And we're here to help and support you and to give you what you need to grow into an adult faith. And we are genuinely happy that you're here with us. For those of you who are returning after an exciting summer away, welcome back. At this point, I should say that at the moment, confessions are any time by appointment. And starting in two weeks, we'll have them every Saturday afternoon in case you have, you know, sin. <laughs> It could happen. Okay, on to this week's readings. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, when the gospel gives us this scene of Peter's profession of faith, preceded by Jesus' interrogation about who people say he is, it is usually expected that the homilist will turn that question around and ask sol solemnly, who do you say Jesus is? I may have done this myself once or twice. Um, and usually when, that is the, what's, when that's the question that's turned around, uh, it's usually followed by the homilist carefully pointing out 
all the wrong ways that you have identified who Jesus is, and I'm not going to do that. Um, one of my homiletics professors several years ago used to take points off for every rhetorical question in a homily. Why do you suppose he did that? <laughs> there goes another five points. But instead of asking you to consider who you think Jesus is, I would instead like you to think about why Jesus cares what anyone thinks of him. Presumably, by the 16th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus knows who he is. From Epiphany to his baptism to his teaching and preaching and miracles, it's pretty clear that Jesus understands who he is and his relationship to the Father. He's clear enough that he even forbids his disciples to talk about his identity when they start to figure it out. And I think there's a connection between these questions about who he is and this so-called messianic secret. And I think the connection is that Jesus is concerned about his reputation. President Abraham Lincoln once said that character is like a tree and reputation is like its shadow. The shadow is what we think of it and the tree is the real thing. So why should Jesus care about his reputation? Today, it is widely considered a virtue not to care what anyone thinks about you, as if that's a sign of independence and autonomy and not narcissism. But reputation and character are not the same thing, obviously. Still, Jesus was concerned about his reputation. And in fact, he had good reason to be concerned. Based on the replies he gets from his disciples, the majority of reports about him are completely wrong. And that's the problem with reputations. They're usually more caricatures than real summaries of a person's character. But let's look at how Jesus reacted. When it was clear that huge numbers of people were saying all kinds of outrageous things about him, Jesus didn't refute them. He didn't hire a publicist. He didn't go into damage control mode. Instead, he let his actions speak for him. He knew that the truth was not in what people were saying, but in what he was doing. Jesus even forbade his disciples to speak the truth about him. And that can't have been easy for him or for them. The deepest truth, the truth that can't be refuted or denied, is the truth that we communicate through our actions, acting out of love, compassion, justice, and mercy. After Peter proclaims who Jesus is in this brief profession of faith, Jesus returns the favor by telling Peter who he, Peter, is. It wasn't a reflection of Peter's reputation, which, if the Gospels are accurate, would lead us to believe that Peter was impetuous, unreliable, and not all that bright. Instead, Jesus reveals Peter's deeper character, and he tells him what his mission in the world is going to be. So here's a question of the week for your consideration. Who do people say that you are? What is your reputation? Is it based on what people have heard about you or what they've seen you do? 
one of the great things about starting a new academic year is that it's a chance to start over. And if you are someone who graduated from high school last May or June, you were, in all likelihood, at the top of the heap, near the top of your class, and surrounded by people who knew you by the reputation that you'd carefully crafted for four years in high school. And now you're in a new place where nobody knows you or cares who you were in high school. It's a good time to figure out who you want to be by the time you graduate. Whether you are new here or returning for your fifth year, a new school year is a chance to hit that big red reset button. A chance to assert who you are, who you want to be, and how other people will see you. God alone knows your deepest truth, but you get to decide how much of your character and your faith you're going to show to the rest of the world. The parish, the chapel and cultural center, and the chaplain's office are here for you to deepen your relationship with Christ, to help you discover the richness of our Catholic faith, to be a supportive community, and to help you become a leader. So welcome. Welcome back and welcome home. May God's love and the gifts of the Holy Spirit guide us all this year.